Lauren, welcome back to another podcast. Thank you. Glad Are you to ready? Be here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, I was born ready. You're born ready. What does that mean <laughs> when people say they're born ready? I don't know. I just think I sound cool when I say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode, we're going to talk about how to deal with a difficult kid. Yeah. That can be a student, a difficult student. Um, how to deal with a difficult student, a student that, 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 you know, that student that you see when they walk in the classroom, it's like, Psh, that kid. Yep, exactly. Or other teachers will come up and say, oh, you have that kid you heard that <laughs> i've never heard that but i've had since when i was you know kids that, that like me that are real cool they walk mm-hmm. in i'm like oh hey, hey and i go oh that one you know and and i think they see it uh, i think other kids see it yeah. because but not, and i think it's something we have to change so oh absolutely today we're gonna talk about four steps to turn that kid into my kid exactly that's my boy yep in this episode of the choose well program podcast Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Choose Well Program Podcast. I'm Mr. Brown. Today, I'm joined with, again, Lauren Connor. See, we got the... Oh, there it is. I, I, I got it on time. Thank you. I really appreciate you joining me for these. Lauren is also a contributor to the Choose Well Program website. She does blog posts. She's a teacher. Uh, Lauren, you do... And a mom. Even she does all this <laughs> while she's a mom. Thank you. A new mom by that. New mom. New yep. mom. And she's also helping us create the Choose Well program curriculum. I'm really excited about that. And even bolstering our video library we already have available. So check all that information out at the choosewellprogram.com. But in the meantime, today we're talking about uh, how to handle that difficult student or difficult kid. Four steps to take that kid from, um, to, four steps to take, four steps to make that kid from that kid to my kid. <laughs> Four steps to turn that kid into my kid. That's what I'm trying to say. So four steps. Do you want to give off four steps or we should go one step at a time? What do you think? Let's do one step at a time. You you try and say they can't handle all four steps? I mean, they could. (laughs) All right. What's the first step? Okay. Step number. Wait, 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 wait. Let's give a little bit more. What do you mean by that kid? That kid. I think that as educators, we've all had... And that kid, right? It's the one, it's the kid that other teachers or teachers in the previous grade will come up to you and say, oh, you have that kid? Mm. Let me tell you. Let's pick on Johnny again. Johnny's a name, right? Johnny is always that kid. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. So other teachers teachers will come up and they'll say, oh, you have Johnny? Oh, well, you would not believe or you'll never get to this point with him or whatever it is. And it causes us to immediately write Johnny off. Right. And and you know what? I do this in professional development. I often tell, um, we do a series, a session called 360 Relationships. Mm-hmm. And one of the last points we talk about is give them space to grow. Yeah. Give people space to grow. That could be your coworkers, that can be family members, and that needs to be students as well. Yeah. Because sometimes, like you said, the fourth grade teacher will tell the fifth grade teacher, fifth grade teacher tell the sixth grade teacher. Yeah. And I get there's information we need to pass on to the next grade. I get that. Sure, sure. But of unfortunately, sometimes we label that child mm-hmm. and we don't give them space to grow. Yeah. And because over over the between the fourth and fifth grade, they can do some maturing. They can they do some can. growing, and we don't we want that for them. We do, um, yeah. but unfortunately, we label them, and now we may enter that kid, and he's always going to be that kid. Exactly, and we have to give them space to grow because we're not the same people we were either. Right, um, but I think we got to do better than that. But yes. also, give that kid space to grow, so we can turn that kid from that kid mm-hmm. to my kid because we're going to invest in that kid for sure. 
What are the four steps? Let's talk about the first step to make that turn that kid <laughs> from that kid to my kid. So step number one is have conversations. And these are non-academic conversations. Hmm. So a lot of times as teachers, we want to say, oh, did you understand the worksheet today? That They don't care. That kid doesn't care about the worksheet. So instead, you know, start with small things. What do you like to do for fun? That's a perfect starter for a conversation. And at first, you might get one-word answers. Yep. Um, I can think of one specific student. Well, yeah, one specific student. And it was one-word answers. And the student would look at me and look down and give me a one-word answer. And then it was like, don't talk to me. Right. But even in that word, word answer, one word answer, you get to know that kid a little bit more. Exactly. And then I can ask specific questions. Mm-hmm. So this kid's answer was skate park. That's what he liked to do was go to the skate park. And your next question was, do you have a skateboard? Right. Yeah. What do you ride at the skate park? Yeah. What do you ride? Uh, how often do you go? Open-ended questions. Exactly. So you can get a little bit more out of it. Exactly. You know? And I think if you know anything about skateboarding, or if you don't, ask questions. That they can be the teacher. Exactly. They can begin to teach you yep. about their thing, and they love to talk at that yep. point. And then keep bringing it up. You know, So maybe your, your conversation that day is only 30 seconds long. That's okay. Ask the next day, hey, did you go to the skate park last night? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but you'll get, you'll, you'll show them that you remembered what mm-hmm. they like to do and right. it, they'll feel seen. Yeah. And I, I do that a lot with kids. I remember I'll often say, if you talk to your kids about nothing, they will be willing to talk to you about anything. Mm-hmm. And so let them talk. I remember this kid yeah. telling me about Dungeons and Dragons and he was teaching me all this stuff. Right. I have no desire to play Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm willing to listen to him sure. because he's excited about it. Yeah. And I remember talking to some parents and this one mom said her kids were this weekend and were going to go play Pokemon Go. Yeah. And uh, the mom wasn't that excited about it, but the kids were. And the yeah. kids got to be the ones that to be experts to teach the mom about it. So the mom entered their world. And so when yeah. I look at this first point of converse with them or have conversations, I look at it as going to their world. Yeah. Let them ex- take you on a journey through their world. It yeah. can be a short journey. It may be a long journey. Right. But be willing to learn who they are through those conversations. And, you know, sometimes you might even have kids who, well, I don't like to do anything. That's a pretty typical junior high answer, right? <laughs> I don't like anything. So start asking some specific questions. Do you like the skate park? And, and those ones can be yes, no questions because then you'll eventually get a yes. All right. You eliminate all the stuff that they don't like to do. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think you don't have to be an expert on these things. No. But like if a kid told me like skating, I was like, yeah, I used to watch um, X Games sometime. And that stuff they do on the board, they jump off those big old walls, what they call the half pike or the the big wall. What's the big wall called? And so I'm familiar with a little bit of it, but now they can teach me. Now they know I know a little bit about it. I know Tony Hawk, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But I don't have to be the expert at this point. I'm the one who gets to learn from their experience. One of my favorite phrases to use is tell me more. Hmm. My favorite is this when I meet kids for the first time. I say, hey, you know, tell me about your mom, dad. Tell me about your family. Mom, dad, who lives with you? Mom, yeah. dad, cat, dog, monkey. You got a monkey? And they start to laugh. Like, you know, who has a monkey? Right. One day a kid did have a monkey. I'm like, you That's do not hilarious. have a monkey. <laughs> That's but I've known kids who have pigs in the house. They have yeah. you know, all kind of things. But because I'm asking that question in such a funny way, they tell me everything that's in their home. Yeah. And I'm just getting to know them through a conversation. Exactly. All right, so number one, have conversations. What's the second point? Second point, positive interactions. We've touched on that a lot in our podcast that we've done together. Um, But having positive interactions, um, even if it's something small, even if, 
the only positive thing you can find for the day is that they were respectful when they walked in the classroom or they sat down and attempted to do their work Mm -hmm. or they came to class prepared for the first time in four weeks. And part of it is looking for it. You have to look for the good. And sometimes it's hard to look for the good. But if you can make it a habit to look for the good in each of your kids, and Mm -hmm. sometimes the good won't be the same. This person sat down the whole class. They always do. This person sat down for five minutes. But guess what? This person made an advancement, right? And you want to have those positive interactions because you can build on those. If everything is always negative, do you want to build on a negative? Right. And once you notice the positive, mention it to them. Write a note home to their parents. Mention it to the principal, even. Do something that proves to that kid that they are not worthless. And you made me really, when you said that, you got to be genuine. Yes. I've seen teachers go up to principals, hey, he did this. And it's just like this weird voice and, oh, great. You know, and it's like, was that really genuine? Like, right. be yourself and be genuine about it. Because if yeah. you're you're not, you're being distant. You've lost all respect at this right. point. You've made found something good. He came in the classroom for five minutes, and I'm so excited. And and then oh, you know, and it's like what what's going on here, right? Yeah. Kids see right through that. They but do. look for the positive, positive interactions. Yeah. And sometimes you you can actually create positive interactions too. You can you can create them in in ways that can make things positive, and and that will be good for them too. Yeah. It's not always a compliment. It's not. Always always a an affirmation it can be just having a simple conversation and even having a conversation about you know yeah. something that's not school related it's not academic it's not discipline it's just yeah. having a conversation about skate park exactly that can be a positive interaction because it's something that they engage in something they're excited about yeah. you know, one thing my sister-in-law does she's amazing in everything that she does but one thing that she does really well is she thanks people and so it can be as simple as you know you are helping her make dinner or you are helping her do something that you volunteered to do. And Mm. she'll every time, thank you. Thank you for your help. And when she did that for me, I was like, you're welcome. (laughs) You know, I like being thanked. And so I started using that in my classroom. Kids love to be thanked. Mm -hmm. And so if you can just walk by even and say, Hey, thanks for paying attention today. I really appreciate it. And as a as as a person up front teaching, whenever I speak or I'm especially small classrooms, yeah. And when I go do small classroom visits, you can see in the audience certain kids are just like like this. Yes. And you appreciate that, right? Yeah. So I always when I'm done with an assembly, I'm done. I, I find a couple of students like, look, thank you. I, you were like one girl. She right. was so. I mean, her whole body was into the assembly. Right. I mean, you could. And when it was yes. time to say, oh yeah, she's like, oh yeah. I mean, she was like, I just yes. heard her. I saw her came through afterwards like you know thank you i appreciate that because it it just really meant a lot to me that that so just acknowledging i think is important but i've also done it with students you see me in my assemblies when i have to move Mm -hmm. students right if i have to keep talking i have to move you i try my best to make sure i talk to that student afterwards to say look absolutely first of all to give them a chance to apologize but also to say hey i'm not mad at you i don't hate you i just want you to move appreciate you moving from that point being quiet yeah uh, and you know just just acknowledging and even even turning that negative negative experience into a more positive one Absolutely. at the end of our time is, is so important. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's easy for us to want the negative and, and not, not necessarily if we really think it through, but our gut reaction or our right away reaction is I want you to pay mm. or I want you to have to deal with the consequence of your action and, and being willing to take a step back from ourselves and say, okay, 
in the long run, what's going to be better here? You said that made me think of this book called Leadership and Self-Deception. And uh, me and my wife did a podcast on it. Check it out. We'll put a link in the description of this. Um, Leadership and Self-Deception is is a great book. And in that book, they talk about sometimes when you're in the box with someone, you need them to do bad behavior so you can feel justified. Yeah. And so they tell a lot of stories about family. And this this is a great book, Lauren, because the whole book is one story, but it teaches all the principles of the story. So it's not like, hey, here's a point and then here's an illustration. The whole thing's a story. But I remember clearly this this, story was the mom. The the son has been acting real bad. They gave him uh, a little little leeway. Say, hey, you can take the car. Mm -hmm. You got to be home at 10. He got home at 9.59. But the mom expected him to do something wrong. So when he walked in, her reaction was, well, you you left, the, you brought, waited the last minute to be home. You know, he was yeah. home one time, but because she needed him, she had been in this relationship with him. Right. It was all negative and they were in, she was in, he was in a box and the book, the book explained that. But she needed him to do something bad. Yeah. When he did something good, she, she found something bad. Right. Instead right. of saying, you know what? He did something good. Let me acknowledge that. And it takes yeah. a lot of lot of within us to swallow that pride because yeah. sometimes we're in a box toward these kids. And we have this negative relationship and sometimes we need them to be bad or make a bad choice so we can feel justified in our right. feelings toward that student. Right. And I think we got we to gotta not do that. It's not healthy yeah. for anybody. No, we got to self-evaluate. Yeah. So check out the book, Leadership and Self-Deception. I'll put the link in the description of the podcast and the video. Awesome. All right. So, so far, we talked about the four ways. We're talking about four ways. One is converse, have conversations. Yeah. Number two, positive reactions. Number three is? Model desired behavior. I get to get on the runway? Anytime. That was a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by model behaviors, desired behaviors? Yeah. So... In the classroom, your students are constantly looking for you, at you for direction. And so when something happens, it's not if, but when something happens, you need to have the right response to it. We talk a lot about response and reaction. You need to be able to respond to it with the desired behaviors rather than just react on how you want, mm-hmm. how you want to. And so, for example... We talked in our last podcast that we did, we talked about being willing to apologize. And so if I'm having a bad day and if I'm cranky with my students for whatever reason, it really doesn't matter because they don't deserve for me to be acting that way towards them. I need to be willing to apologize. And in doing that, that models the desired behavior. That can be hard because you're not perfect. And I tell people all the time, I'm willing to be an imperfect role model. Yeah. And I think kids need to see that because sometimes they do think that we're perfect and right. they think that that we always do things right. And I even had a student ask me, Mr. Brown, do you always follow your advice? I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm striving to do it. Right. This is the truth and I want to live up to that truth. Yeah. And modeling behavior is very, very important because yes. if we expect it from them, we need to do it ourselves. Um, yeah. if, if we... You know, expect them to raise their hands. We expect them to, you know, be on time. We have these expectations for them. I think it's important that we follow up with them. And you mentioned asking for forgiveness. If I go off on a kid in front of the class, I think it's important for me to apologize to the kid privately, Mm -hmm. but also publicly. Yeah. Because the other kids need to see, you know what? I was wrong in this interaction. Even even if the kid was wrong first, the kid disrespected me and I went off the handle I need to acknowledge that my responsibility in that situation and not just yeah. say, oh, because he did that. Because how often do our kids do that? Right. Oh, because they did that, then it's okay for me to do it. No, it wasn't right. okay. Right. I need to model that behavior. Again, not being perfect, but being willing to be an imperfect role model for our yes. kids. Last one. Don't give up. I just read I read it's off okay. your sheet. I I'm can see it now. So. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so don't give up. What do you mean by don't give up? 
a lot of times that kid, so our hard students, they have been in situations where it could be parents, it could be guardians, it could really be anybody, but they've never had somebody stick it through with them. Mm -hmm. Their behavior has always gotten to the point or reached the point where somebody is giving up on them. And so as educators, we only get them for one year. That's not a lot of time in the grand scheme of things. It, you know, you throw in the breaks, you throw in the fact that our school year is 10 months long. It's not a lot of time that we have with these kids. And so really, how hard is it for us to not give up on a student? It's not hard. It might take us swallowing our pride. It might take us being willing to put ourselves second. But it's so important that we don't give up on these kids, even when they fly off the handle. And don't, not giving up on them also means we still are disciplining them. We still give them oh, consequences. Sure. We still Because some people think, oh, don't give, I'll let them buy. I'll let them pass. No. no, we don't give them a pass. No. Even the hard discipline is not giving up on them. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm going to ask you, have you ever had, I want you to tell me a story of a kid that, that you kind of walked through that process. Well, I'll tell you mine first, Okay. Um, but you can think about yours. But I okay. remember a kid, I was doing this after school program. And actually, I wasn't even over the program. I was a guest speaker, but I'm still, I was going like once a week to the mm-hmm. same school. And uh, I remember that I still have the same discipline rules and I would hang out with kids afterwards. I don't like just speak and leave. I would hang out for that entire day I was there. So. This kid, he was, I can tell. You know, when I walk into a room, I can usually tell what kids sure. kind of like are the ones yeah. that, you know. So he did some stuff. I had to move him to another spot, and then I had him go sit next to a teacher. He kept talking. I had to kick him out because my thing is this. We've established our rules. We told you what's happening. I'm not going to allow you to mess up everyone else's experience because yeah. you refuse to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And so, again, after I removed him, I had a teacher go, had a helper go sit out with him in the hallway. After I was done, I went beeline to him. We sat down and talked. Yeah. And my first question was, um, do you get in trouble with everything you do? Do you get kicked out of a lot of stuff? He's like, yeah. I said, why? Why do you think you kicked out? I said, I don't know. We're going to talk about his behavior, his choices. The next week I showed up, he was my best friend. Oh, he yeah. helped me set up. He helped uh, keep other kids quiet yeah. <laughs> because I took the time right. to connect with him. Exactly. But I, st- I didn't give up on him. I didn't. But he, yeah. when I asked him that question about him getting kicked out of everything, kicked out of classes, all kind of stuff, his whole demeanor changed. Yeah. And I had a conversation about his choices and why he was, why he was making those choices. Yeah. And the next week, and from that point on. Yeah, he's my best friend. He became right. he was that kid. Now right. he now he was my boy. Right. <laughs> he was my kid yeah. because I took time to connect with him. My first year teaching in public school, I had a student, and she she was that kid. I had been warned about her multiple times. Um, she had been in trouble multiple times. She was a hard. She was a she was a tough cookie. Um, but one of the things that I started to do was follow my my four rules. Um, and so I started having conversations about with her. And she loved dogs. She loved them. And she, you know, she came from a really rough home life. But one thing that her parents let her do was to have a dog. Um, and so, and she took time to research the dogs. She took time to learn about them. And then she would share that with me and I kind of let her teach me about them. Mm -hmm. And so that started, you know, our, our relationship and our process. And then it was hard to have positive interactions with her. Um, she, she was one of those kids who wanted to fight everybody all the time. (laughs) Wow. Um, and so, Even you, she wanted to fight. She was doing pick fights. Yes. Okay. Pick fights, start fights, 
go into fights that had nothing to do with her. Mm. <laughs> she she loved to fight. And so one of the times she was really getting into it with one of her good friends and you know, I kind of stepped between. I was I thought I might get punched in the face. I was a little bit scared. <laughs> but I kind of these are seventh graders? Yeah. Okay. I kind of stepped between and I was like, hey, you know, let's let's not and I, you know, I separated them and had her sit down with me and she had just she'd had a terrible day. Terrible. Um and so it was a negative situation, but we had some of those positive interactions. And then with her, it was a lot of modeling desired behavior. You know, someone would say something and a lot of times they were adults, the adults in her life would say things to her and they were terrible things. She would tell me what they would say. There's no way that I would ever think it was okay to say some of those things to a student, but people would say those things to her. And so modeling does, you know, the desired behavior, the reaction or the response really that she should have. And, you know, she would give a response and a reaction and I would say, okay, but let's think through this. How can, how can we respond better? And so slowly she started doing that and then just not giving up on her. She had had so many people give up on her her mom left multiple times throughout the school year just you know terrible terrible situations but not giving up on her she's one of the ones that i see frequently around town and every time she sees me she comes up and we talk and she tells me about how she enjoyed her year with me and she'll even come to the school sometimes and she'll pop in and say hi to me and she's in high school you know she's not all grown up but I I see that it my time with her mattered right and it's worth it and she did she became my girl so you're starting to tear up a little I know know. (laughs) and I think that's that's the power of you know dealing with a difficult child and yeah let me just give you this real quick story um that I remember from a friend and, and it kind of reminds me of sometimes those difficult kids because you try to reach out to them and they try to bite you. Yes. Um, and my friend had this, actually her mom had a dog. She, her mom had this dog and they lived in an area where people, a lot of foot traffic, people mm-hmm. walk up and down the street and they had a fence. It was like the wire fence that kind of crossed over. Yeah. And so the dog would just run up and down when people would come by. And sometimes the dog would start barking on the fence and climbing up on the fence and it would get his paw stuck in between the fence, the yeah. wire fence. And it would get stuck. And then the daughter would come over and try to get the dog out. And she, the dog would start gnawing at her, right, know, b- right. biting at her. She might forget you, then I'm leaving. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to help you bite me, right? Yeah. But the mom would come out because it was the mom's dog. And the mom would try to grab the paw. And the dog would still bite. But mom would stick in there. Yeah. Because the dog, the mom was touching some painful points of the dog. Right. And... But she loved that dog enough to go, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go, even though you're gnawing at me, you're biting yeah. at me, you're snapping at me, I'm going to help you get out of this pain, yeah. even though when I touch it, it's painful. Yeah. And I think with some of those difficult kids that are going through so much so much pain, and when you as the educator or a person try to help them, you're exposing some of that pain. Yeah. You, you're, you're, you're reminding them of that pain, and they might try to bite at you. Yeah. But will you stick in there and take that kid from that kid to your kid yeah. because you stuck in there long enough to deal with the blows, to deal with the nipping, the biting yeah. because they need you more than they know and they want you more yeah. than they know. Yeah. We may never see we may never see what our actions did for that kid. But it's worth it. It is worth it to go through it. So, how to deal with the difficult kids, the four steps, converse, have a conversation. The second was positive interactions. 
The third one is model desired behavior. And the last one is don't give up. And it's a choice. Yep. And when you make better choices, you will live a better life. So choose well. Oh, yeah. You got it.